If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello and welcome to Friends with Friends. My name is Pete Allison. This uh, is David Cripp. Ahoy, hoy, hoy! Drew speaking. <laughs> Good to speak to you, Drew. How are you? I am doing well. Good. Good. I'm glad. Uh, what is Drewing the well. most exciting well, thing? You get it? I'm to... doing well. No, I, I got that. I got doing yeah. well. Uh, yeah, doing. Yeah. What is the most exciting thing to happen to you this week in isolation? Uh, it's pathetic, isn't it, Pete? But it's, it's our quiz every week. That's the my genuine yes. that's the highlight of my week. Yeah, that's um, that's. I mean, that's basically it in the evenings, isn't it? Yeah, just do a quiz and sit silent on the sofa, facing a blank wall the rest of the evenings. I can give you the sort of rundown of what else I've done. I've shaved my dog. Oh, shaved him! Shaved him! Yeah, because no dog groomers knocking about at the moment. So took some clippers, had a good old go on his fur. I mean, shaved implies a hell of a lot of fur came off. Well, the problem is, and this is something I'm, I, I'm picturing the Sphinx cat. Yes, no, no, no. It's it's the hell of a lot of fur did come off, but he looks basically no different because he had so much fur. So, right, I think okay. it's just one of those things. Like when I shave my beard, I really go at it, and then I'm like, oh, nothing's changed, even though there's a sink full of hair. Do people often make the observation that you? look quite a lot like your dog yes yes that has happened on a number of occasions uh, we have a similar shading of hair don't we yes and just lots of it yes correct yeah there's that thing about owners looking like their dogs isn't there which i'd never really subscribed to before but turns out you are <laughs> you, you you prove that as fact absolutely uh, any highlights from your week pete um any highlights uh, my, I got a new toilet seat delivered. <laughs> new toilet seat covers? Um, and I, I, I fitted it myself, Dave. Did you? Um, so I was quite pleased with that. That's um, very pleasing. That is remarkable. Um, apart from that, I, I have almost literally nothing to report. I know. This is the way of the world, though, isn't it? A lot of friends being watched at the moment by us. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, we we mooted this in the quiz on uh, Friday night. We do a weekly friends quiz. If you haven't joined us yet, you should. It's a lot of fun. And by a lot of fun, I mean we have a lot of fun. But, Mm. you know, other people seem to too. Uh, It's 8pm British time every Friday on our Friends with Friends Instagram, which is at FWF pod. And during the quiz last week, we mooted an idea, didn't we, that we might spend lockdown 
watching every episode of Joey. Uh, yes. and, and and reviewing them in the same way we do with friends which i the more i've pondered on it the more i'm really keen for because it just feels like something that we should definitely do at some point but the other great thing about it is that i, I don't think i've seen a single episode so i right. will be watching them for the first time and I, if we were to watch them in chronological order i'd sort of look on in horror as the full failure of joey as a concept and as a sitcom yeah. um unravels quite so rapidly yeah i think there's a whole new dynamic to it isn't it be absolutely mm. wonderful okay well look let's let's definitely not park that thought for too long because we've got nothing to do and it turns out pete 46 episodes of joey <laughs> there's loads of it I know 46 is a hell of a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it's a second, it got a second series, so it can't have been the huge failure we all remember it to be immediately. Do you know what I mean? Um, We've been asking you to nominate your favourite episodes. The criteria we ask for are, uh, tell us why you'd like us to talk about your favourite episode. Send us a voice note if possible, therefore you get to feature on the podcast yourself. And thirdly, if you do send us a voice note, it's much more likely to get played if you tell us how much you love the podcast. So shall we uh, delve into the this week's inbox selection? Oh yes, I hope I hope they tell us that they like us. This is from Annie Hughes and Annie Hughes says, "Hello, I really love the podcast. I've been listening for the second time during lockdown and it's still great. Uh, I would like you to discuss the episode season 7, episode 12, which is um the one where they're up all night. I've just watched it and I think it's a really sort of well plotted episode and there's some quite nice sort of like bits with different characters and there's some nice bits where they're all together as well and uh, there's also the line where Ross is like don't rush me which I really enjoy and it's just a great episode so I think you should discuss that one okay bye still great Dave We're still, still great. great to listen to the second time doesn't just love the podcast once, loves the podcast twice. She's really cracked the code and uh, uh, sort of drilled into making us play that on the podcast, hasn't she? Yes, yes. Um, well, thank you, Annie. That was very kind of you. That was lovely. Um, so the one where they're up all night, Peter, shall we? Shall we? Yes, let's, let's go. Do you want to uh, hit us with a premise? Season 7, episode 12, The One Where They're Up All Night, directed by Kevin S. Bright, one of the main men himself. Oh! Um, There you go. Don't know what that means in terms of the style of the show, but it's a fact. Uh, Here's a synopsis. Everyone's awake for the entire night after the friends try to see a comet from the rooftop. After Monica and Chandler are later unable to sleep, Rachel and Tag go to the office to search for a business file that Rachel claims Tag misplaced, and Joey and Ross try to escape the roof after getting stuck there. Meanwhile, Phoebe's smoke detector goes off and will not stop beeping, leading to a run-in with a firefighter. Four splinter plots there today, Pete, but they all start together, so I think that's where we should probably start, on the roof, before the credits roll. The noticeable thing about the before the credits bit, um, it's what, like a a minute and a half long, if that? There are multiple references to perving on people in the neighbourhood in the space of about one minute. Yeah, it is the bit where I use that, you know, the emoji with the sort of bared teeth. Yes. Um, that sort of horizontal smile with a bird teeth. That's the emoji I've used in my notes when Joey says, check out the rack on that chick. Yes. Mm. Well, it starts with Rachel revealing that she's tried to perv on tag. Yes. It? Yes. And then Joey checking out the rack on this chick or whatever it is he says. 
And then, having shut that down, Ross then comes back round to it just after the credits as well. Like, <laughs> yes. Show me. And they all start to look through look through a pipe, which is curious because that offers no sort of magnifying features. It wouldn't do anything, would it? No, I would, I would have thought absolutely not, apart from just create a little circle at the end to look through. They're all on the roof waiting for the Bapstein King comet, which is, I'll be honest, Pete, this episode is the only reason I know what the Bapstein King comet is. Is it real? I think so, yeah. I think I'm... Well, hang on, let me just quickly check now. Bapstein. It sounds real. Well, it does, and it's a strange one to make up if it's not real. I'm not sure it is real, actually, now, Pete. Now that I've had a little look, there's no real references on Google. What does Bapstein King mean? Well, let's find out, shall we? Bapstein... Does anyone listening have any sort of specialism in this? So you type Um. in Bapstein King Comet, and it's just... I thought I'd learned something from this episode years and years and years ago, and I've spent the last 20 years thinking the Bapstein King Comet is a real thing. Yeah, all I've seen is that you can buy some very niche friend's memorabilia, which has the Burger King logo on a T-shirt, <laughs> but with the word Bapstein instead of burger. Yeah. Um. So that's a thing. But that's um, it, isn't it? That's the that's oh, it's not real. Pe- oh, I'm really it's not, I'm is it? Genuinely no. annoyed about that. The Bapstein King uh, memorabilia is also available on a mug. Look, if there's one thing we're going to be getting for the quiz for set decoration, I'll be wearing a Bapstein King T-shirt in I a couple mean, of weeks. I, as we, as a podcast concept, are into niche friends references, right? Yeah. Um. Why would you ever want that on a t-shirt? Like, it's, it's not even, it's not even funny. No, and it's and it's just from afar. It's just the Burger King logo as well. So it's not in like interesting enough, is it to to be differentiated at a glance? You can also get it on a duvet. <laughs> that is. Imagine bringing someone back to after a night out. <laughs> It's on one of these websites where you can get like artwork printed on almost everything. What's the least likely thing anyone will want? A Bapstein King, uh, a mini skirt? <laughs> you, what, surely you can't get a Bapstein King mini skirt. You can. Uh, you can also. Oh, is there, there's not Bapstein King underwear, is there? I'm sort of bewildered by how niche that is. Mm. How much do you think a king size Bapstein King comet? duvet cover is dave 40 pounds 99 pounds fuck off 99 pounds surely literally no one has ever bought that no i'm like if, if you have bought the bapstein king oh king my god size. there are product reviews oh my god. people have this is wild should i give you some some product reviews please I mean, people seem really happy with it. Worth every penny, says Karen, (laughs) um, who presumably has literally more money than sense. And um, Hey, do you know what? If there's this many sales, it stands to reason that one of our listeners may well be one of these people. So if you are listening to the podcast and you do own the Bapstein King duvet, please do send us a picture of it. Um, We would be fascinated to... (laughs) Oh, my God, I've just read... (laughs) What? This is... Okay. This is from Laurie. Laurie says, beautiful, but it's not cotton and I have allergies to other fabrics. But the design is lovely, so if you aren't as allergic as I am, I recommend... Wow. (laughs) God, what horrors has Laurie experienced? Jeez, that must be tricky finding non-cotton duvets, to be fair, in general. 
Anyway, we digress. Oh, we very much digress. We've not even got to the credits yet, Pete. That's true. My interest in the Comet Party, now that we've realised it's not a real comet anyway, but they're all up there, but they're not doing anything. There's no no one's drink. Like no one, There's no drinks. There's no food. It's not like they've had like, oh, do you know what would be fun? Let's go up to the roof and have a little... Yep, make an out of it. Right. They've just all put a coat on and gone to sit on some garden furniture, open brackets, where's that come from? Why have they got high quality garden furniture knocking about if they only go to the roof once every seven years? Um, they all get bored quite quickly. I mean, after two hours of just sitting there, but they're just literally sitting there looking at the sky. Also, on these occasions when comets pass over, and I think we've already shown that we don't know too much about those. No. Um, can they, can't you be quite specific on the time that it's passing over? Yeah, you don't have to wait that long, do you? You don't have to wait outside for two hours, do you? As if you could be asked. What we've learned is that we don't know much about comets because we don't even know which ones are real and which ones are fictional. But... Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, also, I would also suggest that it would be incredibly difficult to see a comet passing over in one of the brightest and busiest and most <laughs> well-illuminated cities in the world. Yes. Yeah, Manhattan at night isn't going to be sort of low on light pollution, is it? The whole premise of this episode is completely Bollocks. pointless. because they, should- <laughs> they shouldn't be up on the bloody roof in the first place. All right, so we've got Ross and Joey's story, we've got Chandler and Monica, we've got Rachel and Tag, and we've got Phoebe on her own, which is um, an unusual thing to just have one of the friends on their own doing a thing. Yeah, well, Phoebe and the Fire Alarm is one of, I think, the best, and possibly because it's part of quite a small collection, the best single-person plots in Friends, because... I think it's very hard to be as funny as she is on her own. Yeah, it's so impressive, isn't it? I literally wrote down, Lisa Kudrow is amazing in this. So much of it is physical. So much of it is in her reactions. And so much of it is in like the the direction of it. Yeah, and when she says, well done, Phoebes, it's genuinely laugh out loud funny when she thinks she's yeah. fixed the smoke alarm the first time. She, like, she holds this entire quarter of an episode just on her own with a fire alarm, which is mad good, isn't it? She also, um, when she drops it down the chute, uh, when she's trying to get rid of the broken fire alarm, doesn't she? Mm. Um, she calls it in the Netflix version, which I wouldn't have seen on E4, she calls the smoke alarm a noisy bitch. <laughs> yeah, this is something we haven't really... I'd never seen that before. Yeah. So if you if you're a long-time listener to the podcast, <laughs> you'll know that Pete, most of Pete's uh, ingestion of friends has been from... Like daytime television yeah, viewing, cleaned basically. up versions. Yeah. yeah, so you don't get any of the swears. Yeah, she does. She she really goes for it, doesn't she? But then I was wondering how on E4 they would have ended that scene because that scene is basically her putting a smoke alarm down a chute and then saying, "See you later, you noisy bitch" or whatever it is. Right. So how do you subtly make that scene end without the noisy bitch line? To be honest, I say subtly on E4 they were never remotely subtle. I was going to say there's the one thing I've I would definitely say about any of the cleans <laughs> is that they just literally take it out, don't they? They don't give a shit how it looks on the television. They just as long as it doesn't have the swear word in, that's it. Yeah. So so to answer my question, they don't make it subtle. <laughs> yes. Um but yeah, she's so good in it. She like carries this whole thing so well. And it's such a she, uh, even from the start where uh they're coming down off the roof and Rachel and Tiger like, "Oh, we've rented a movie." Um, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, I'd love to see a movie." They're like, "No, it's just us." And he's, she's "Get me out of here." Get, you know. She's yeah. she's she her performance in this episode is so great to watch. Um also, what time is all this happening? Is my question. 
Well, the biggest shock for me was that it in the end transpires that it's on a work night. Mmm. Go to bed. Well, not only are they up in like the dead of night watching the comet, but Rachel and Tag have planned this as like the their sort of precursor to a movie night. Yeah. Like they've yeah. already planned to watch a movie after I mean, it must be like eleven PM at least by now when they're watching this comet, right? Well, by the time at which <laughs> right, hang on. Let me map this out. So by the time at which Phoebe decides to call it a night. Yeah. And she's gone home and has gone to sleep. Yeah. By that point, Rachel and Tag are still on the sofa making out yeah. with the intention of, well, evidently having sex, but also uh, watching a film, we learn. <laughs> so it's, it's a very late night film, isn't it? It is, especially because they've got to be in work tomorrow, both of them. Mm. And she's his boss. There's a lot of irresponsible bossing going on here, but we'll come to that in a minute. But yeah, so so Phoebe chucks the the, the noisy bitch down the chute, as it were, and then um, I mean, it's curious that there's a fireman wandering around the halls of her building at one in the morning or whatever time it is, isn't there? And how a fireman was also quickly so capable of tracking Phoebe <laughs> from a name that was written in a blanket to then knowing her address. Yeah, they don't really sort of. <laughs> extrapolate on that do they she basically goes how do you know it's me and he says your name's written on this blanket but yeah that, it's, that it's, doesn't explain it nope, absolutely <laughs> does not explain it a lot of questions over mr fireman wandering around the halls and knowing the addresses of young women that live alone at that time of mm. night very suspicious the weirdest thing about this though is how it ends because uh there's a really it's really well done this whole thing i love this plot so much the fireman comes in Phoebe's been caught, you know, she's like, oh, it's mine, that's fine. And then her last desperate hope is like, so how do I reset this? Please just tell me. He says, oh, there's a reset button on the on the other side. And she's like, oh, thank God, it's all done. And then the payoff is that uh, the reset button, she's already smashed the reset Detached, button off. Yeah. yeah. She's already smashed it off the fire alarm. So at this stage, it's still going. W- what happens? That's the yeah, last we see of it. she doesn't fix her problem, does she? No, that is the last we see of it. So to this day... Phoebe Buffet's smoke alarm is still going off, as far as we can tell. Smoke alarm's going off, and I understand that this is their function. It is such an incredibly annoying noise that um, it becomes quite annoying just watching a fire alarm go off on an episode of Friends. Oh, it's so annoying. I mean, this is, I don't know if this is uh, something I want to admit publicly, but my kitchen smoke alarm has has just got a little sock over it, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) It's so sensitive. So, yeah, I've got like a kitchen-living room combo. So there's another smoke alarm about five feet away on the ceiling you know um so it's not like dangerous but basically the you're not at risk the one in the kitchen goes off every time you open the oven it's like it's not a smoke alarm so much as just a like your cooking alarm and i don't need an alarm to go off every time i'm cooking so i've had to tie a little thing around it so it doesn't go off all the pissing time but yeah is, like it, I say, is, there's a is it one of your socks uh i say sock actually it's a piece of muslin but yeah there you go a little insight into my kitchen it's fascinating. I'll show it you on uh, on Friday on the quiz if you want. You uh, you don't need to do that. <laughs> you little bitch. <laughs> you noisy bitch. All right. So I'd say the other one that kind of is a bit of a non is the Chandler and Monica storyline. Yeah, this... Uh... I wasn't big on this. Well, it's a, a bit tenuous because the rest of them, and we'll come to Rachel and Tag because it's a weird reason why they're up all night, but at least it's a reason. And it's like they just couldn't be bothered with Chandler and Monica and go, why would they be up all night? Uh, can't sleep? 
Yeah, that'll do. You know, and it's it, it kind of feels a bit like they hadn't quite got anything for Monica and Chandler because this whole kind of thing is just basically a bit of tennis with one of them being awake and one of them falling asleep, isn't it? Yeah, and which like from I, and again, this is comes with the caveat of I understand that this is because it's a sitcom, and if sure, the sure, logical sure. thing happens, that then it, it's just over. Just like just bloody let her go to sleep. <laughs> let let each other go yeah. to sleep. It's fine. <laughs> this is this is literally it. Is is the sense that like they're so unhappy with the fact that one of them's awake that when the other one's asleep, they that very selfishly wake them up and make them join their, them in their sort of insomnia world. And they wake each other up in the same way that like a young kid does on Christmas Day trying to get his parents up, yeah. like slamming doors and things like that. Yeah. Just just go to sleep. Crashing pans in the kitchen. Um, it, it's quite telling uh, as to the level of their relationship how uh, far down their list of options having sex is when they can't sleep. <laughs> Like, yes. they get up, they make milk, they read a book, they talk about the book. You know, like, it's quite far into the episode where they're like, well, if we're both awake, sh- shall we? Um, and they both seem really into it. It's a kind of a strange, um, you know, two sides of one coin. It's taken them a while to get around to it, but then they're like, they're both really up for it, aren't they? So after Monica falls asleep during sex mm-hmm. <laughs> and Chandler wakes her up again, Chandler is wearing pyjamas having just told Monica that she fell asleep during sex. So was he... You can see where I'm going with this. Was he wearing the pyjamas during sex or were they having sex? She fell asleep. He put his pyjamas on and then said, you just fell asleep during sex. Because I would argue that... If Chandler is the sort of person who keeps his pyjamas on during sex somehow, it's not implausible that Monica would fall asleep during sex. Uh, I think it's very unlikely that he's put his pyjamas on before confronting her, right? So he must have been wearing... So either he's wearing the top half of his pyjamas, but the bottoms are off. But the bottoms are on when he gets out of bed. Oh, yeah, so he's fully pyjamaed up. Because in that scene, he gets up and walks out to the kitchen and he has pyjamas on. That is wild, isn't it? So we can... Well, here's the thing. Maybe what it is, Pete, is that we all know about Monica's cleanliness. Maybe... She insists. She insists that every <laughs> every square centimetre of his body is covered to prevent some sort of germs. Apart, so yes. maybe he's just wearing full pyjamas, but he just has to open the fly and pop it out. And that's, that's it- how they do it. <laughs> Doesn't that make their sex life sound sad? <laughs> I mean, the, 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 their sex life is such a strange thing because they're always talking about wanting to have sex, but it always comes in these strange scenarios like this. And it seems quite a stressful sex life is what I'd say. I mean, cards on the table. I remember I remember watching this when I was a lot younger and thinking, feels very unrealistic that someone would fall asleep during sex. I'll be honest, now... I can I can see how it might happen. I can see how you'd just be a bit tired. I would also say that this gives off strong Chandler and Monica only do missionary vibes. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? It really does. Which is fine. Whatever they're into is fine. No, I don't think any of us are under any illusions that Chandler and Monica are anything but quite vanilla, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I would even say that outside of 
bedroom, they just as a couple like well, in fact, they themselves have this feeling, don't they? Because there's that bit where um who's the couple that they go on a date with? Yeah, so Phoebe's starting dating Gary, isn't it? And they're in this sort of uh who's hotter as all them vibe and Phoebe and Gary are doing it in the park and doing you know, doing all this, that and the other, and Monica and Chandler are really struggling to keep up with it. Yeah, so they themselves, or at least Monica acknowledges is that they're quite a straightforward couple. Never says during that conversation, does she though, Pete, that she makes Chandler keep his pajamas on and just poke it out of the fly. No. <laughs> no. Also, you make you, that isn't a flattering way of describing Chandler by saying poke it out the fly. <laughs> it's not, is it? But it's you have to admit, pop it out. A very funny image. It is, but I, I don't wish to think about it too much. Chandler's little bing. Oh. Hello, I'm Jack Beaumont and this is Crime Club, the podcast where I talk to people who have done terrible, terrible things, either immoral or illegal, ideally both. Fucking hell, mate. That's Crime Club. Oi. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. I feel like in the past couple of weeks, this podcast has become quite, uh, I'd say it's gone from a 12 to a 15. It has, hasn't it, Pete? And and yeah, maybe this is indicative of sort of everybody's lockdown vibes. Maybe every, mm. I feel like everybody's getting a bit sort of lonely and spicy in, in their own different ways. And maybe uh, this podcast is, maybe it's coming out in in the pod in a way that we haven't previously although, anticipated. Although, in our defence, it is a recurring theme in almost every episode of Friends. And this episode in particular involves a plot about sex. Yeah, it's a thing that we've kind of noted a number of times before, that for quite a mainstream um, sitcom, it's very sex-heavy, isn't it? Mm. So, um, it's fine, we're just being true to Friends. Exactly. Um, Rachel and Tag, okay? Yes. Also, this episode, 
I really felt like Tag seemed young. Yeah. And I know that this relationship ends, doesn't it? Because, I mean, he jumps down the hallway on the scooter and Rachel's on the, turning on the, 30 yeah, yeah, yeah. and she thinks I've got her. So I get that that's very much he's intended to seem, but he seems especially uh, childish. Yeah, it's weird watching it out of context, isn't it? Because that came across loads more to me than it had done previously yeah. when watching them like in order. Um, I mean, the thing that, I mean, should we talk about the genitals phone thing? I, I just don't, I don't get that. A, I don't get why someone would find that sort of enjoyable to do from Tag's perspective. But equally, I don't understand why it pops up, so to speak, um, why that happens three to four times. It's referenced three to four times in this episode, isn't it? It's like a recurring joke. I don't understand why that's a recurring joke because it's, it's, it's not even that funny the first time. I don't understand. I just don't understand it. It's not like Friends is so good normally at turning really relatable situations into very yeah. funny into very funny scenes, you know? And this is just a thing that I've never even considered in my life before I'd watched this episode that that you would t- pick up a phone and put it on your crotch. I don't I so- don't get it. If you haven't seen the episode recently, it's heavily implied by Rachel that Tag has a, an ongoing joke where he holds his phone to his crotch and uh, like has a conversation with his crotch somehow. I don't get what he is getting out of that. Like, is it a thing he performs for like a whole group? Is it like a yeah, like a like um, a party trick. Yes, I. <laughs> but if so what is it and who's enjoying that or is it a thing that it's like a a thing for him and Rachel like oh it's a sexy thing I'm gonna pick up the phone and put it on my dung I don't know I don't understand what's what anyone's getting out of it at all it's so bizarre and then there's the scene where Rachel tries it and picks up the phone and puts it on her boobs and it's like What's happening? If it would been mentioned one time as like this childish thing that Tag does I get it fine it's an example of him being childish but then it keeps coming back like three or four times that thing is referenced to the point of which as you say Rachel tries it to see why he gets a kick out of it and it's just it, it it's not funny enough to be in there multiple times I just I genuinely just don't understand it I mean the, all that I would say is that when Rachel does it at least there's like the visual of one end of the phone handle being over one boob and the other on the other like her boobs are talking to each other on the phone it's not a it doesn't really I don't get it but at least that makes sense from a sort of logistics point of view but what's tag doing like I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know couldn't tell you we could talk about this for hours and I'd all I'd have in conclusion was I don't understand this at all yeah I I, I mean that, to be honest there isn't too much more to say about Rachel and Tag in this is there well no so the whole premise is so well the weird thing is that they're they've they've come down from the roof to watch a movie and then it's heavily implied that they're gonna you know hit the hay and and put their pajamas on and poke it out the fly <laughs> um what happens is just a passing comment from Rachel uh why she'd suddenly think of this i'm not sure but she says did you send those contracts out and based on our previous sort of timeline thing it must be midnight 1am 2am who knows what time it is now and tags says no you didn't give me any contracts and very quickly they decide that the best course of action here is to go to the office immediately and sort of prove who's right and wrong even though all they needed to do was really they could just go and have sex now 
then have a bit of a sleep, and then go to the office, and you'll find out who was right and wrong in the morning. Why does that need resolving now? Yes, there's not really much that they can do once they find these papers, is there? Like, it's not like they can then post them anyway. No, right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one, but they do go down to the office. Uh, Rachel very quickly realises that she hasn't actually given them to Tag, so she was in the wrong all the way. Uh, she then tries to trick him by sending him away, sneaks him in his bottom drawer. She goes to get coffee later. Turns out he's clocked her, got them out of his bottom drawer and put them back on her desk. Um, and then she just basically ends the whole thing by diverting the attention away from the fact she was in the wrong by telling him she's horny. And that's it. She just goes, I'm so hard for you right now. And that's it. The end. It's really odd, isn't it? I do enjoy the sort of toing and froing because it is a genuine bit of... Um, she puts the, We see her put the contracts in his drawer. There's a nice moment when it transpires that Tag has sort of second-guessed her and put them back in Rachel's office. Yeah, because we don't see that happen. She says, why don't you open that bottom drawer? And you do. Like I, 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 felt, I definitely fell for it the first time I watched it and thought, oh, he's going to get rumbled here now, and then they're going to have a conversation about that, but they're not there. Uh, it turns out they're back on the desk. Although what I would say... <laughs> You know, if I'm maybe it's because Tag's just a bit young and he's not that bright, but he hasn't really hidden them very well, has he? Like, if he thinks that what's happened is that they're in the bottom drawer and they should be somewhere else in her office, then why has he just plonked them on the desk? Because that's not very subtle, is it? Although that is where they were to start with, but he didn't know that. Yes, but does he know that? He doesn't know that. That's what I mean. God, this is getting. This is getting. Does it? They don't know that he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know the contracts were on the desk. The, the, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's it. So and then, again, like the Phoebe one, it kind of ends slightly oddly. Uh, they don't have an argument or anything at all. Rachel's wrong, Tag was right, the end. This episode feels quite, um, I don't know, brief. Well, this is and this is part of the thing with there not only being four plot lines rather than three that there normally are, but also the whole first bit is them on the roof all together. So it's even a couple of minutes before they all split off into these four That's ones. True, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you you jump back between lots of these different scenes quite quickly. It's a nice idea, the whole thing. I like the way it's all been like beated out so everybody stays up all night for different reasons and we and we watch that unravel uh some really nice lines i liked i, I do remember really enjoying chandler's oh i can't believe it's two hours until i have to call in sick to work or whatever it is when he says at the end you know there's a couple of really nice lines like that but you do we are jumping between the floor the floor plots the four plots <laughs> uh very rapidly aren't we and that leaves us with ross and joey it does now, Ross and Joey has a fundamental... Uh, I'd say two fundamental flaws, actually, as a plot line. Well, these days, this plot lasts two minutes, doesn't it? Because... But I'd say not even these days. This is 2001. This isn't in 1943. They've got phones. Yeah, so surely they just phone one of the others, who opens the door, and they go home. Like, they phone Monica and Chandler, who are downstairs, and have a house phone, famously. I think there was a cell phone in season two, definitely. So, like, for five years, they've had cell phones. Um, it's it's plausible maybe that they've both left them at home, but it seems a bit odd because Ross doesn't even live in that building, you know? The, the Ross-Joey one's got a lot of pros and cons. There's a lot of fragile masculinity around. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of, like, surface-level homophobia as well, isn't there? Yes. Like, the, the, the whole thing ends when Ross would basically rather fall to his death than have his face near Joey's penis. Yes, through fabric, yes. Yes, through fabric. Um, also, I mean, when, when we're jumping right to the end here, but when he does fall, 
Still quite a long yes, way. Yes, doesn't he fall a long way? I thought the same <laughs> yeah. thing. His scream goes on a while. I think his... <laughs> yeah. How many stories do you think his scream suggests that he's fallen? Like seven or eight. Yeah. Like a <laughs> it lot. Does, just, like high. Yeah. It goes on for about two and a half seconds. And yet when he gets to the bottom, all he says is, I think I twisted my ankle. Like, I think yeah. you've bloody smashed your spine to bits, mate, by the sound of your scream. Oh, no. And the whole way they engineer this is that Joey's holding on to the thing and just dangling from this quite high height. And like, A, that's some pretty impressive upper body strength just to be holding on for that long. And B, then when Ross gets on it, I'm not sure. Like, that is proper, like, Olympic level well, strength, isn't it? I thought this, but there is one point where Matt LeBlanc's forehead looks like like genuinely sweaty. Like he's like he's straining. So for a while at least, I think he has genuinely at least been holding himself up because you kind of see him swinging. But I think for a while he must have been taking that weight as well. It's um. My question is, what is Joey going to do once Ross drops? Yes, he's got to because <laughs> it's just a That's real right. impressive Spider-Man move to pull himself right back he's up. He's either and then got sort of- to drop as well or pull himself back up. Yeah. Which pulling himself back up doesn't help because where does he go once he's back up? <laughs> well, this brings me to the second thing. And this is maybe something that um, our American listeners can help us with. But, but I fundamentally don't understand the structure of the fire escapes on the outside of these New York buildings. I don't understand what they are. Why would a fire escape be useful if it then required you to drop several stories? So they say it gets stuck and it doesn't go any further. But what's getting stuck? What is it? Is it like a like a manual lift, like a cherry picker? Like what? What's getting stuck? Well, or is see, there a ladder? Yeah, you see, there are ladders that like drop down, aren't there? So that's the idea, is it? That the ladder drops down, but floor by floor, and you have to move the ladder each time. Oh, it sounds like a ball. Like it sounds confusing. I, I don't. I just don't understand where they're dropping from, and and that's probably just ignorance on our part, isn't it? But but. We've seen previously and in the future, people use that fire escape quite a lot. Like Joey climbs up it um, for various points to get to Monica and Chandler's apartment, which is on the... I mean, it's not a tall building, is it, actually? Because they're on the top floor and they're apartment 20. So um, there's definitely at least four to six apartments on each floor, aren't there? Because we see like the long corridors in different in different episodes. So it can't really be more than three or four stories high. Anyway, they get stuck, don't they, after Joey moves the pipe to lock them in. They try, well, they strongly consider breaking into somebody's apartment. Yes, until there's a that big dog there. quickly becomes a plausible option, doesn't it, for them to, to break into someone's home. A, how are you breaking in without any sort of weapons? Have they still got the pipe, maybe? Are they going to smash that window? It doesn't seem like a too plausible. But yeah, so um, we get to this scene, don't we, where Joey's hanging down, Ross is shimmying down. There's a lot of definitely funny lines, but laced in, like you say, um, fragile masculinity and, and surface homophobia where uh, there's a lot of um, uncomfortableness isn't there around them being very close together how can you make that funny them having to climb down each other without it becoming this fragile masculinity thing well you can't can you that's the, like otherwise it's just someone shimmying down because they talk about it don't they have that discussion about whether it's face to face or ass to face butt to face oh butt to face is it butt to face yeah and they decide that they don't want faces on butts. I they really are too quick to rule out butt to face. Yeah, I'd say butt to face is fine, isn't it? Would you rather be butt to face or crotch to face? Well, I don't think in that scenario I'd care enough. There's not 
much of a difference considering everything is layered anyway. Nobody's saying, guys, if your crotch is near my face, that means you want to have sex with me. Like, it's not like there's an implication there that you've got some sort of deeply buried sexual desires with your friend. You're literally just shimmying down him to get there, aren't you? But yeah, so that's it. And then, yeah, but when Ross falls, that's how we end the episode, isn't it? And he falls a very long way and um, and, and, and does his ankle in and that's it. Is that the very end of the episode? Well, then we then there's the the the, the credits and the post credit role is uh, Monica and Chandler then joking a bit about how they're still awake. Monica's got to, oh, go to work cleaning, in seven yeah. minutes, and there's a callback from earlier where she says, "Well, if you got seven minutes, um, you get the mop and I'll get the thing or whatever." And yes, they're going to clean for seven minutes rather than have sex. Uh, classic Monica. I, I mean, it says quite a lot about that ending. But I, I literally watched that just before we started recording, and I couldn't remember it. Yes. No, it's it's just a little, a little uh, addition at the end, um, but yeah, there you go. That's the one where they're up all night. D O N and also E done. Yeah, I've I've, I've exhausted my notes, Dave. Uh, I did enjoy it though. It's a fun episode. It's a nice little fun episode. Thanks, Annie, for suggesting it. Uh, if you'd like uh, to suggest an episode for us to talk about on the podcast in the future, uh, you can get in touch by one of our many social media. Uh, Brands uh, at friendswf on Twitter at fwfpod on Instagram or facebook.com slash friendspod. Uh, drop us a little message, send us a voice note if you can, um, and it will work very much like this episode has worked. And if you haven't joined us for our weekly friends quiz, uh, it'd be really nice to see you there, wouldn't it? It's become such a nice little community, hasn't it, of, uh, it of has. people on that quiz. I really, really enjoy it. Lots of people in the comments calling other people scruds yes. or implying that either Peter or I are too drunk or there's a number of like running jokes now that I've... Uh... It hasn't been implied that I've been drunk for a while. That's not happened for no. a few weeks. Is that because you've been curbing it since that first week where everyone was implying you were really pissed? No, it's just because I'm drunk all the time now. <laughs> Lockdown equals drunk and there's no real differentiation between the levels of drunk anymore. Exactly. Great news. Well, there you go. So see you Friday, maybe, if you want to come and do the quiz. Otherwise, we'll be back next week with a new episode. That'll be exciting. Something to look forward to, isn't it, Dave? Yes, please. All the best. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.